You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. Anyways, we're in the book of James, and um, James was written by who? Yeah, it's not a trick question. <laughs> uh, you know, some books were written to people. Uh, this one happened to be written by James. He's the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, it's it's uh, widely considered like the first of the New Testament books written. It would have been written in the 40s. Like not, not 19, not 18. 40s, no number in front, right? Like we're talking early, early on. Uh, it was written and James would become the head of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, he would later actually uh, give his life for the faith. They, they tried to get him to recant of his faith, and he didn't, uh, which is, you know, really interesting because, you know, Jesus being his half-brother, it, it, he wasn't, when Jesus was doing ministry, James was not a follower. And like a lot of you, I mean, if you have brothers and sisters, like if your brother came out and was like, I'm the son of God, like, you know, like you'd have a little trouble maybe believing him in his story, right? But then actually James encountered the resurrected Jesus. And how many of you know, like, that's a pretty good way to let him know, like, what I was saying is the real, really what's going on, that he was the son of God. And so, uh, and actually as he's, uh, his life, at the very end of his life in James, I love this, because it shows you how far James came in his, in his journey of faith from not even believing when Jesus was doing ministry all the way to being the head of the church. As, as he's, his life is about to end, he's praying for those who are persecuting him, much like Jesus on the cross when he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And that's how far James came. And that, that's who's writing this book. And uh, basically, the main theme is found in James chapter 1, verse 4. Okay, this is, the, this is the goal of the series. Okay, this is the theme of the book. Uh, we today are going to go from verse 1 to verse 18, but I want to set up this idea of what we're talking about throughout the whole series. It says this, it says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The, the whole goal of the book of James is to lead us into deeper spiritual maturity. Okay, that, that is the goal. Each and every topic that we're going to talk about has the end goal of making us more spiritually mature. And so a few of the issues, I want to give you a few of these, and I want you to think about, does this sound familiar? Do you know of anybody who's in this spot? So some of the things we're going to talk about throughout the whole series, people dealing with suffering and trials, that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, people who talk one way but walk another way. Living in worldliness. People who cannot control their tongue and what they say. Fighting, coveting, the love of material things. Any of that sound familiar? Right? Is that not like our world today? And I think also a lot of us can also relate to many of these things that we would find in the list. And so what I want you to understand this morning is that uh, the book of James, which was written to persecuted Christians then, right, is also very, very applicable and practical for us today. And so uh, with that in mind, though, I, I want to I give the broader picture of what we're doing because it can be really easy. Like for me, it's really easy to get like a practical list and some practical steps and, and kind of walk through the list and do the things. Like I, I'm all about applicable. I'm all about, hey, something that can change tomorrow in my life and I'm going to do it and I'll check the box and do all of that. And while that's important, really the end goal is what is found in John 10.10. 10. Okay. 
It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The end goal of the book of James and spiritual maturity is not that we can have a whole bunch of things on a list that we check off. It's not about like a three-step thing that you can add to make your day better, okay? It's that God has defined in his word what it looks like for us to have fullness of life. It's first and foremost through salvation in his son. It's secondly through the obedience to his word. And so when we're going to give all these practical steps and these different things of how to maybe control your tongue or how to not love, you know, material things, it's so that you can experience fullness of life. Because there's going to be times when God says, thou shalt not. And like, when I tell that to my kids, right, they always think I'm holding out on them, right? Like, like Zoe like climbing on a countertop and I'm like, Zoe, get off the counter. And then she says, what? Why? Right? Always the why. Zoe, get, get off the counter. Now she started to think, she's like, you're mean. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I know the end result. You, one misstep, and it's a hospital trip for us. When nobody wants that, right? But she thinks I'm holding out when really I'm looking for her benefit. I'm looking out for her so that she doesn't get hurt. And I want you to understand that when we're going through this book, and maybe you feel like God's word is beginning to start to to rub against you or start to push against something in your life. God's not saying thou shalt not do this because he's holding out on you. He's saying it because he's a loving father who cares for you and wants, wants, wants what's best for you. And so with that being said, we're going to get into James chapter 1. We're going to read verse 1 and 2. And we're about to just go open your Bibles. We're going to go verse by verse and break this thing down. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. I like that. He ain't messing around. Like, you know, verse one, this dude is not messing around. He said, he's like, hi. All right, now let me tell you something, right? This is my kind of guy. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Where's the amens at? No amens. (laughs) Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Uh, A few notes kind of broadly uh, about this verse before we get into some of the details. The the first thing that kind of strikes me about this verse is that it doesn't say when, or it doesn't say if, it says when. It doesn't say if, if trials come your way. It's not speaking hypothetically, right? It's saying when trials come, Consider it pure joy. And I don't want us as a church, I don't want you as a follower of Jesus to be unaware that trials come. If you have not faced trials and tribulations and storms in your life, uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you need to understand that they do come in life. It's a part of living life. I even think for the Christian, uh, you have this target on your back as well. There's a spiritual side of things as well that, that storms and trials are going to come by the nature of being a follower of Jesus Christ. I said, if, you hate, if they hated me, they're going to hate those who follow after me. Like, that's, that's what we sign up for. And so we got to be very clear to start out with that this is not an if situation, but it's a win. We also notice that there's various kinds. Right, like, like my storms or, or my trial isn't necessarily your trial or yours. It, they, they may look different. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. I think a lot of times we can have some kind of picture of it's only these big things when sometimes it could be these little storms that happen over and over again that really end up hurting us on the inside. Various kinds 
of trials that will come. However, God's picture for these seasons of life is that you and I would have joy. Like that's the end goal of today, is that even though we're going to be faced with trials, even though tests of our faith will come, that when we get through it at the end of it, we would stand there, man, it was a hard season, but the joy of the Lord was with me. That's the goal of this thing. So some of you, you may be in a season right now where you're like, I'm good. Like things are good. And praise God, (laughs) you know that you're there. That's fantastic. Make sure that you're taking notes because, again, this is not an if scenario. And I would rather you be prepared if the, in, the, in, the, in the chance that something did come, you would be prepared to walk through it with joy. And some of you right now, you'd say, man, I'm, a, I'm in a storm right now. Like I'm in a trial. Like I'm in the thick of it. And there's a few things that I want you to know. The first and most important is that God is with you. God's not going to leave you or forsake you. Actually, in the scriptures, it's, it's very interesting that when people are downtrodden and they're hurting and they're broken, like God's really close in those, in those times. Like he, he loves to just come into those moments to show that he's loving and caring even more, to show that he's faithful to us. And so if you're in one of those seasons, know that you are not alone, that God is with you and that we as a church are here for you. Like we, we'll walk you through it. We'll talk. We'll, we'll pray. We'll, we'll do whatever we can to help you out. You don't have to go through it alone. Simply let somebody know what's going on because we're here for you. And most importantly, God is with you. So I want to start off with looking at two perspectives that we can have on trials or tests of our faith. Uh, Because trials are going to come, it's going to be broken up in this passage in two different ways. There's going to be tests that are going to come from the outside, but there's also going to be temptation on the inside. And I'm going to show you how those work. But first, got to have a clear perspective on the trials and the tests that come from the outside. The, the first one that's, that's very clear with James is that tests or trials produce maturity. Like that, that's what we're trying to get to through it. That's the purpose. James 1, 3 and 4, it says, Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And, and really, life experience would confirm this for all of us. How many of you, 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 uh, you tried a new thing, right? Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something at work. You tried to learn a new skill or something like that, and you were just incredible the first time at it. Like, you just, you just crushed it, right? Like, you know, you just picked up the guitar and you could just shred it. Anybody know? Okay. Okay. How many of you would say that you were trying to learn something new, and you fell on your face a whole bunch. Anybody? That's the story of my life. I, I, I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment or something, but I really like learning new things. And I really like the process, and there's never been one time that I learned something new that I didn't fall on my face trying to learn what it, how to do it. Right? It took me falling down and getting back up and trying again and falling down and getting back up and trying again, and then, and then I'd like get a little better, and then guess what would happen? a different test would come and I'd fail that test, right? And it's like, all right, let me try this thing again. It's kind of like when you were younger and you would ride a bike. Zoe, my daughter, came up and she's like, this last week, she said, I want to take the training wheels off my bike. I was like, oh, Lord, because she's fixing to learn a lesson that all of us know, right? Like training wheels don't 100% prepare you to ride a bicycle without them. They just don't. She's going to fall this week, right? Like, like the test of her riding the bike is going to come, and she's not going to pass it. 
Uh, I'll update you next time I preach. I'll let you know how it goes, right? I'm hoping it's a small thing, but she's going to, she's just going to eat it, right? Like it's going to happen. We've all been there. Uh, A few years ago, I was learning, uh, I really enjoyed doing graphic design, and and so I was just getting into it, and it's really, really fun for me, and so we had this event, and uh, I was like, man, it'd be really cool to have these slides for this event, so I started working on it, you know, and and it was a, I only had like a a day to work on them, and how many of you know, like when you're not good at something, and you had like a really short time frame, it's disaster, right? (laughs) Like there's no, there's no good product coming out of this thing. Well, anyway, so I make the slides, and we put them up or whatever, and uh, during the event, somebody came up to me, and we were just talking, and they are a really good creative, a really good graphic designer, and the slides came up, you know, and they're like, oh, who made these? This font is terrible, and you know, I'm like, oh yeah, it's awful. I don't know who did these, <laughs> you know, like, I have no idea who made these slides. They were. I look back now, and it's cringy to look at, right? It's like, oh, I can't believe I ever, I ever did that, but our faith is very similar to these life experiences that we all have experienced in that tests of faith come our way, and because maybe we're new to the faith, maybe because we're not spiritually mature, we don't pass the test. Maybe we don't see the purpose in it. Maybe we're not far enough along the road that like to have what I needed in that moment, and so I failed, but then God's like, hey, look, this is an area that you can grow in. This is an area where spiritual maturity needs to be developed. And then guess what's going to happen? Another test is going to come around the corner, and maybe I pass that one. And my whole journey and my whole walk of faith of being a fully devoted follower of Christ is this. It's that constantly of me falling and learning and, and figuring out where I'm not acing it and then trying to get better at it. That is what the journey of faith, it looks like for us. And so once we understand that there's purpose in the test, there's purpose in the trial, that there's another thing that I, I want to make us very aware of is that then we don't need to despise the test. Like, because like a lot of times, like even like me, like if a trial and test come, I'm not like, woohoo, right? Like I'm not like, oh yes, thank you. There's a test and a trial in my life. Like, a lot of us aren't excited about it, but I think a lot of times some of us are stagnant in our spiritual maturity because instead of seeing the test the way that we should have, we actually pushed ourselves and distanced ourselves away from the test and remained stagnant in our faith. See, because the test was going to show us, hey, you're not acing it in this area. And they were like, oh, you're right, God, so I'm going to try to grow in this area. No, no, no. Instead of that, I pushed the test away, and my faith didn't grow as a result of it. I didn't grow closer to God because of it. I think a lot of times we pray prayers, and the answer to the prayer comes in the form of a test, and then we wonder, where was God at the whole time? Why didn't he answer the prayer? Parents, have you ever prayed for patience? Who prayed for patience? If you're a parent, come on now, you know you don't do Listen, maybe you're a perfect parent. I'm not. I pray for patience all the time. How many times were you excited when your kids were wilding out, though? Probably not. But what if your kids being crazy were actually an opportunity for you to develop patience inside of you? And that test of your patience was the answer to the prayer that you had been praying, but instead of actually trying to develop patience, you pushed that opportunity away. So we gotta, we gotta get over this despising the test and the trial. Is it fun? Is it enjoyable? Most of the time, no. It's not a, who likes tests? Like, no. It's not always about how much, it's what's on the other side. What is God teaching me? What's, a, what's this opportunity to be mature in my faith? So that's the first thing, is that, Tests and trials produce maturity inside of us. 
The second thing is that trials remind me I need Jesus. Such a great reminder that I need Jesus. Because, you know, when things are going good, who, who typically gets the credit? Me. Maybe I'm like that. Maybe you're not like that. Like, when things are going good, I'm like, man, I got it. Like, uh, this is going pretty good. Like, I feel like I, gotta, I got things under control. I'm acing it at the job, crushing it at home. Like, you know, whatever it is, like, I, I'm going to try to take the credit when things are going good. But when things go bad, typically I'm like, God, where are you? <laughs> right? It's like, like, I'll take the credit when it's good, but I'll blame God when it's bad. But really all it's doing is showing me how much I need God. Like, God, I'm, I'm, I'm coming up short in this area. I, I, I'm struggling here. There's, I got a weakness here, God, and I can't get through this test or this trial on my own strength and my own capability, God. I need you. So we get the proper perspective, and then we get the proper reality that we need God in those times. It's just a great reminder. So what do I do when the test and the trial comes in? Those are how I need to look at it. That's the filter, the lens. I want to see it. What do I do when those times come? Well, James gives us some insight on that as well. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You're just saying pray about it. We shouldn't look at our problems, the trials and the tests that come in our life, and think how fast can I fix it. The, the real reality is we should say how fast can I take this to God? Like, that should be my immediate reflex. Not, not how, can I get, how can I tinker through this? No, no, I'm going to run to God with this thing as fast as I can. And then really wisdom will come on how to handle it. So I'm trying to get to him as fast as I can. The second thing, as we continue, it's, it's that we believe. So we pray and we believe. James chapter 1, 6 through 8. Just going verse by verse. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that person, person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And so when I get here, I, it, uh, it messes with me a little bit. Because here's what's happening, right? He said, hey, if you lack wisdom, which really means if there's any doubt during the trial or the test, pray about it. But when you pray about it, don't doubt. I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to get me to do here? Because you're like, I'm doubting, but you said pray. But when I pray, I can't doubt, but I have doubt. And so I'm praying, you know, you see where I'm, I'm stuck in this thing, right? This is where I'm wrestling with this. Like, I don't know what to do. Jesus tells a story in Mark 9 that I think really sheds the light on exactly how we handle this. How when we're going through a trial or, or a, um, a test in our lives, how do we really believe, even though we're struggling with some of it? There's a, a story, I'm going to give you kind of the Cliff Notes version. Uh, there's a boy who's a mute. He also is having seizures. Okay, so his dad brings him to Jesus. He goes like this. He said, hey, if you can heal him, please do it. And you know, some of the, uh, some of the uh, punctuation in the Bible, you know, it wasn't like there to begin with. There's like an exclamation point on Jesus' statement, right? He's like, if I can? That's how I read it in my head, right? <laughs> you know, like, see the little exclamation point? He's like, if I can? He's like, all things are possible to those who believe, right? And that's kind of what he's saying in James. And if you've ever been in a season where your faith has been tested or you're in a trial, you have spoken the words that this man would speak to Jesus. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. 
That's powerful. I believe. God, I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. God, I know that you're here with us. But there's some parts of this that I don't understand. Like, I, why did this happen? Why me? Where are you? Like, there's so many questions I have, God, but I believe you. Help my unbelief. And when we bring that little mustard-sized faith of I believe, God goes into action on our behalf. And it doesn't always work out how we think it's going to. But you can believe that when faith is present, that God goes into action to his will and to his way. And so when you're in a season of it and you're praying, you're just like, God, I believe. Help my unbelief. So then the, the, the passage shifts here, okay? It gives us like a really practical example of what it looks like to go through a test. It uses finances as, a, as a, an example, as an illustration, okay? It's saying, hey, when you're, when you're in humble circumstances, like be content there. If, if you got it going on really, really good, make sure you stay humble, right? How many you know that like finances, whether you have some or you don't, is a great test of your faith, you can either be content or humble. It's, it's trying to teach you something there, okay? And that's the illustration he gives. Then we get to verse 12, and he wraps a bow on everything we've talked about so far by reiterating where we started. He says in verse 12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Okay? Boom. He wraps it up in our little passage on trials. And if you're not careful, like, you can feel like these are two separate passages. And, and while they do have some profit to read them in, in two different sections, they are actually intertwined. And we've talked about it a little bit. Because oftentimes when we're going through a trial or a test in our lives, the enemy will come and try to plant a temptation in the middle of it. Because the enemy wants you to do the very thing that you should never do, which is to turn your back on God when things are going bad. And so the enemy will plant a, a temptation and get you to try to turn away from God instead of turning to him. And so then the, the trial, the test that was supposed to bring me closer to God actually ends up making me betray God because I took hold of the temptation. And so we're going to shift and look at how do I handle temptations that come in my life, especially when I'm going through a season of, of, of testing and of trial and I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. How can I avoid the temptation that the enemy will most certainly bring in that moment? The first thing that we do is that we look ahead. We look ahead. Uh, I listen to ESB in Arkansas a whole bunch in, when I'm driving around, okay? And there is something about the live read advertising they do that stuff gets stuck in my head so bad, okay? Like, like I'm not kidding. I'll come home. And I would just read the lot, like, you know, it's just in my brain. I'll be at home, like, talking about different things that the radio is talking about. They're, like, they're really, really good at it. And one of those things is the uh, Bobby Garland Baby Shad, okay? They always got advertisements about the Bobby Garland Baby Shad. I don't know a thing about fishing. I have no, I mean, I don't fish at all. I don't know anything. But when you listen to them, talk, this is, like, the greatest fishing lure of all times. Like, look, you can flick it and dance it. Whatever that means, you know, like, it sounds good. Like, you can tie it up multiple ways, I guess, to things. I don't know. I don't get it. But it gets stuck in my head. And then it gets to this one part when it's talking about the stupid fishing lure. And it says that this lure looks exactly like live bait to the fish. 
And temptation does the exact same thing in our life. Because you see, this, this, this fishing lure on the outside, it looks like live bait. It looks like the real thing. But guess what's on the inside? It's a hook, right? And the hook on the inside is only there to trap the fish, to keep the fish. And temptation in our lives, while it may look really, really good on the outside, it's always empty on the inside. It never delivers on the promise that it tells us. It's there in appearance, but never in substance. And that's what temptation is trying to do. It's trying to lure us in with a pretty exterior, but it leaves us empty on the inside. And in James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, it says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by who's, who's, oh, by their own evil desire and enticed. Actually, some different translations when it says that they're dragged away, it's uh, lured. It actually uses the fishing term, which I think is so cool. They're lured away and enticed. It says, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. One of, our, one of the greatest kind of uh, tools we can use to fight temptation is that we have to remember where temptation always leads. And man, in Scripture, it is so clear. We're going to get lured. We get enticed. That desire becomes sin, and sin always leads to death. There is no other end destination of sin except for death. And I don't know about you, but it helps me a whole bunch when I'm in a moment of temptation, when I remember, it looks really good, but this is going to end in death. Like, I don't want to go down this road. I know what's the, no, 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 I'm going to stay away. The first thing that we do is we look ahead. The second thing that we do is we look around. James tells us to look around. In verse 16 and 17, it says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I heard this pastor give an illustration one time about how, uh, how to read the Bible, but I think it's so perfect for this exact point. Because how often do we go through life and we're running and we're running and we're running, and we never stop to look around to see all of the good things that God has blessed us with. Like how, it's stupid cliche, right? But how many times do we stop and smell the roses? Right? The thing that temptation gets us is that we think that God is holding out on us, but it's because we never stopped and looked around to see how good God really was and how he has blessed us constantly in our lives. And so the illustration works like this. He said, you can take a trip across, across the country. And uh, if you got in a plane, you'd be there really fast, but you would see basically no sights along the way. Uh, you could take a road trip in a car, and you'd still get there pretty fast, uh, and, but you would see some of the sights along the way, kind of what was on the road. Or you could walk, and it would take you a while, but guess what? You would take in every single moment of everything that the trip had to offer because of the pace that you were walking in. And I think sometimes as followers of Jesus We've got to dial it back, we've got to slow down, and we've got to take in all of the things in our life that God has blessed us with, all of the good things. Listen, you woke up this morning, you got breath in your lungs, you got to come to a church to worship God, you probably woke up in some form of shelter and maybe drove a car and had a little money in your pocket. You got people here who care about you. 
If you're married, you have a spouse. If you're single, you don't hate your spouse. Praise God. It's good. Right? How many times has God blessed us with good things and they were there and we never perceived them? What a great way for us to avoid temptation by simply taking a moment to look around and see all of the good things that God has blessed us with. Let let me give you something that needs to stick in your brain when it comes to this. God's gifts are always better than Satan's bargains. God's gifts are always better than Satan's bargains. And if you take the bargain, the price you will pay will always be much more than you ever imagined. It's not even a bargain in the end. And God's gifts are always better than anything the enemy has to offer us. His gifts are good. His ways are good. He's constantly giving good. And he never changes. It's not like one day we're going to wake up and he's like, nah, I'm not giving good no more. God doesn't do that. He doesn't shift like shadows. Number three, kind of our third tool to use against temptation is that we have to look inside. We have to look inside. It says this, our last verse in James for the day, chapter one, verse 18. It says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It's this idea of birth and of a new life in Jesus Christ. And there's two realities that if, if God has done a, a work on your heart and you have responded to him in faith, there's two realities that I think are your greatest asset in the fight against temptation, okay? The first one is, is that when God saved me, my old life is dead and my new life has begun. The Bible is very clear that we are a new creation. It's not that God works on my heart and I just become better. No, no, I was dead and now I'm alive, It was old and the new has come. You are not the same old person you were and you do not have to give in to the same old things that you used to give in to. You're a new creation. The other reality is that when when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he is fully God. He's not the crazy uncle of the Trinity, okay? He's not out there just being crazy and doing weird stuff. Like that's not what he is. No, he's fully God. And he was given on our behalf to equip us and empower us to do what God has called us to do. He he was given given to us to comfort us when times are really hard. To encourage us with the truth of God when maybe we don't know how to proceed. He was given to us to remind us of the ways and the words of Jesus Christ. You have God indwelling on the inside of you. And that is your greatest asset to fight temptation in your life. If you would stand to your feet, uh, as I I always do, uh, I want to read a verse that I want to pray over you. The whole goal of today is just that we would just change our eyes to say, man, when I'm going through it, I can have joy and that there can be purpose in it. And I don't push away an opportunity to know God more fully. I don't push away an opportunity to be more mature in my faith. And when the, when the times of temptation come in those moments that I know will come, that I'm able to fight it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. You know, sometimes when you're in a moment of temptation and trial, that's, that's all you need to know, that God is faithful. You're not by yourself. You haven't been left there. 
You're not having to figure it out on your own. No, 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 God is faithful. He always has been, he always will be. He's with you and he will continue to be so. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And when you endure the trials and the tests, you become more like Jesus Christ and you know him more fully and you become more mature in your faith. It's for the next time it comes. Let's pray.